0: Thing. Maybe it's a bad, bad thing Maybe it's a bad, bad thing I feel like
1: This, this, this quiet, like, all the conversations have been had and there's no words left to say. It's quiet. Can't you feel it? It's quiet when we're in the car. It's quiet when we're washing the dishes. It's quiet when we're at the kids' basketball games. When we're eating dinner. And, and right now, it's quiet. And I know that quiet's okay if there's something positive in it, but this, there is nothing good in this quiet. When was the last time we had a fight? A knockdown, dragout fight. That's what I thought. I need words. More than just sports and politics and report cards. I need some emotion, some thoughts. I need words. Don't get me wrong, I know you care about me. I need to hear it in your words. I really, really thought there was going to be more to this marriage. And this, this thing between us, this, this void, this chasm, this crater, All it does is get bigger, and bigger, and bigger. Because we choose to move in silence. I need you to say something. Say anything. Because right now, just need some words see something I'm giving up on you Feeling so small, it was all. That I love, and I'm saying goodbye.
0: you think of the relationship you have with your spouse, maybe you're thinking thoughts like this, I feel so empty. I know we're together, but I still feel alone. Maybe you have thoughts that are going something like this, I feel like I'm always the one that's trying. My spouse, they're never on the same page as me. Maybe you feel like you're ready to walk away. Maybe you feel like if something doesn't change, like yesterday, I can't do this anymore. Today, you may feel like your your marriage is being held on by a thread. You may just feel like that you don't even really know what's keeping you together. You know, maybe you've thought about it even. You know, what is keeping us together? And maybe, maybe you have kids so rather than maybe being in love and being on the same team, you say, well, we have to stay in this relationship because of the kids. Maybe you stay in the relationship because of pride of what it would look like if you split. You don't want to go through that. What people would think, what people might say to you, how you might feel about how other people see that. Maybe you stay because of finances. Really try to qualify it down and say, you know, it'd just be easier if we just stay together, but yet we're not happy. Maybe because it's well you fill in the blank. You fill in the blank as to why you're sticking around. It's such a powerful song. Maybe you can identify with the the words of that song and the fact that maybe you want your spouse to say something. And you just feel like that that there's a disconnect in a big way. You want them to make a move or otherwise this, there's just no hope in this thing. I love that part of the song that says, I'll be the one if you want me to. Basically expressing so much desire and even though there's pain and even though there's hurt in that relationship, there's so much desire there for it to work that if you want me to say something, I'll say something. That's powerful. It's kind of just saying I'm willing to do Whatever it takes to make it work. Today and throughout the rest of this message series, we're going to be talking about why we struggle living happily ever after. And I'm sure you've heard the statistics that say that over 50% of people end up in divorce. Over 50% of people, um, they, they go into this thing thinking, you know, we're going to live happily ever after. This is going to be the best you know, now we'll get to spend as much time together as we want to. We don't have to be alone. Do you all remember when you were dating? Do you remember those feelings of, you know, I'm not going to hang up? No, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, no, I'm not going to hang up. I can't hang up on you. It's like deleting you or something. I can't do that. Remember when you were engaged and you were taking the engagement photos? And Man, dude, you got all spiffied up in whatever she wanted you to wear because it was the, the engagement photos. And you don't really want to go out there and take pictures because no guy really does. But you know what? You did it because it was part of what she wanted. And at that point in time, that relationship, you really thought about what each other wanted. There was a heavy, heavy focus on those things. Throughout this series, we're going to talk about why 50% of marriages end in divorce. And honestly, you need to be here for every single week because they all tie in together. This is not going to be that today, as we observe our marriages and we think about marriage, that today is going to be your fix. I wish it was like that. I wish it was as simple as flipping a switch back on and saying, here's what it is. The best way to describe it is, is we're not selling microwaves. We're selling crockpots microwaves, they they heat it up quick, and it gets done quick, and things are better quick, and you get to enjoy. Crockpox take a little longer, but it's so worth it. So every week of this series, you need to be here for this. This is going to help you. If you're a single person in the room today, you need to take advantage of what's being offered to you. Take advantage of entering into a marriage with the principles that we're going to teach over the next four or five weeks. Take advantage of it. We're going to start off slow, because we can't we can't do too much at a time. Life is busy. But we're going we're gonna to take some things and we're going to, let's just kind of say it like this, we're going to change relationships because we're going to put some action into our words. We want to use God's word as the ultimate word. When we come back to his word. What's this relationship supposed to look like? Once we identify what that is supposed to look like, then we're going to go ahead and, and map out our key point for the day today. And I don't want to just talk about a key point on paper. I mean, you've given me your time this morning. You woke up. For some of you, it's real early. For some of you guys, you drag in and you're like, man, I made it. But man, I'm, I'm half of who I really am, Randy. I'll see you, I'll, I'll see you in the afternoon time, right? We'll, we'll connect then. But you've already invested your time. You're already here. Get the very most out of this as you possibly can. In your notes on the back of your worship guide, there's a spot for you to take some notes. And I want you to, to do something for me, even if you're a dude in the house, all right? Dudes, I'm talking to you too. We gave everybody a worship guide because it's scientifically proven that if you write something down, you're going to remember it longer. And so I want you to write some stuff down today. Take some notes. You Say, ah, I don't need to do that. Listen, take the notes, bro. Take the notes. It's important for you, all right? You need to do this stuff. You know, it's funny the way that people perceive pastors and pastors' wives it's really goofed up how people think that, that things are um, in a lot of different ways. But today specifically, I think it's funny that you know because I'm a pastor, which always kind of freaks me out, even though I've been doing this for a little while now, um, it still just weirds me out. Hey, Pastor Randy, and I'm like, where's he at? You know I think of my dad because my dad is Pastor Randy. I'm not Pastor Randy, but yet hey bro, I'm Pastor Randy. Um, it's weird, it's weird, but people put these expectations on pastors and pastors' wives. And I think that it's kind of weird how they think that we're at a different level than them. And maybe some pastors have, have presented themselves that way and, and made the system or structure that, hey, we're kind of up here and you're down there, but, but that's not who I am. Um, I feel like, dude, I'm, I'm not qualified to be up here. I'm not qualified to be able to present anything good, but God has just called me to do that. I don't quite understand it. I don't quite feel like I have the abilities, but you know what? God uses it anyways, and I realize that I'm on the same playing field as you because many times what I hear from you is, I don't think I could do that, dude. Are you sure I could do that? Are you serious? You want me to do that? And I'm like, yeah, dude. I'm on the same playing field as you are, bro. I don't know how we're going to do it all. I don't know how it's all going to work, but I know that we got to put our foot forward. Expectations I'm talking about in marriage specifically would look like this. They think that we don't struggle. Now, because I'm a pastor... And because she's the pastor's wife, that we don't have problems. That we don't have marriage problems. We don't have financial problems. We don't have relationship issues because God forbid that we ever get into a scuffle with anybody. That just never happens with us. We're just in this protected bubble. And everybody just always agrees with everything that we say. And we always agree with everything that they say. And our life is perfect. No, no, Not like that at all, guys. You know, there's three things that, that couples fight about a lot. They fight about sex. They fight about finances. And there's one more, and it just fell off the top of my head. So let me look it up. Communication. I won't, I won't say who said that, right? But communication's an issue, right? Three things. Sex, finances, and communication. We struggle with those. We're not exempt. They're issues. And they're issues for everybody, There's some things that have happened in in our path, our journey in life together that maybe it was whenever we became adults and we got jobs and we got kids and we got responsibility and we got all these things. It it, it sort of tries to take our time away from these three things. Communication drops, which creates those other two issues. Because when communication isn't there, man, it's, it's bad. You guys get on different playing fields, you get on different game plans, and all of a sudden you can't go forward together. You're doing two different visions, but yet you're one family. This has probably happened to you too. And I think it's funny how we we try to scoop things under the rug. You know, we come into the church, and the church is the best of all. You know, they always say the church is full of hypocrites, and I always say back to that, well, there's always room for one more, so join us, right? (laughs) There's always room for one more. But we put a smile on our face many times, and we say, how are we doing? And there's the generic answer of, we're doing good. We're all right. We're good. Like, if we were being real, if we were being real, we wouldn't be saying that at all. If we were being real, we'd say, you know what? Quite honestly, I'm not doing good. But because of pride, we won't share information with other people because we say, I don't want to share private stuff about me and my spouse. I don't want to talk about how bad our relationship is. And so we bottle it up and we keep it inside. And you know what that does? It almost causes self-destruction. It eats away at you. Tears you up. Guy and girl. Say, no, not him. You don't know my guy. He never shows emotion. Oh, I guarantee you it brews him up inside. He just doesn't express it the same way. But those thoughts run through his mind. We can identify with every problem that you would go through. Because we're doing life with you. We're doing life with you. Let's first explain... Kind of just get a framework for this whole thing of of marriage. Why divorce rates are up at 50 percent? Let's just kind of play this out. If you had 100 people in the room, which looks like about what we got, you can pretty much say that this whole side is is going to end up in divorce. Look around. I want you to visualize it. I want you to get it. I don't want you to just hear a number. I want you to see a fact. 50 percent. You look around. And you go, what? Well, I'm not. This is fact. This isn't guess. This isn't Pastor Randy making up s- stuff up here. And you've heard this statistic before, so this isn't new. 50% of people are going to end up in divorce. That ought to bother us. We ought we to connect some dots when we see a stat like that, realizing that that's the game that we're in. We're in the game of 50% of you aren't going to make it. 50% of us, me and Amy, we're not going to make it. We're not exempt from this stat just because we're a pastor. Life is hard. It's tough. What is the problem? What is the main thing? What is, what is causing all these issues? And I want you to see it right out of God's word. Why is divorce rate so high? Because there's a war on family. There's a war on your marriage today. Maybe you've never been told this before, and I want to open your eyes to some things that are going to help you in a great, great way. It's found in, in the uh, book of 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Um, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Um, if you've got a smartphone, you get UVersion on your phone for free. It's a Bible app, and you can follow along with all the notes that we're going to be taking today. This isn't my main focus, so we'll kind of get to that in a second. But I want you to see this verse. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. I use this verse a lot because it's so true. Go ahead and throw it up there on the screen. We'll read it together. It says, Be sober. Come on, say it with me. Be vigilant. Because your adversary... The devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Do y'all see this? I want you to see this very, very clearly. There is an enemy out there named the devil who is out to destroy you. He's He's out to get you. He's not your friend. He's not your teammate. He's not playing for Team Jesus. He's out to destroy you. And the way that he many times will attack us is through family. There's a big reason why this rate is so high, because there's a war on marriage. When I look at a verse like this, it says, be sober. Go ahead and throw it back up. We'll hang on it for a second. Be sober. I always think funny thoughts, because the word sober to me, I don't think what sober means. It always goes into my mind the opposite of sober. Drunk. I always think of the word drunk when I think of, of sober, because sober is the opposite. You know, if he would sober up, you've heard those expressions, you know, once he sobers up, everything will go back to normal. Um, because when, when you think of a drunk person, think about it, they're kind of off a little bit, right? Right? Let's just be honest. You get drunk, um, you're not thinking Clearly stuff's not jiving. You, you know, they, they, I watch cops a lot, which is funny to me, and they always do those those tests, and those dudes are like, I'm not drunk. You know, I'm not. And They're like falling, stumbling all over, and they're slobbering everywhere, and you know, they got cuts all over their forehead from where they fell and hit the stairs, and it's like, nothing's been going on here. Like, what's been going on? Nothing, dude. Everything's fine. He's bleeding out his head. Like, dude, something, something's happening here, right? Like, you're not... Not not right. Something's not jiving. Something's not clicking. Which which kind of helps me to understand what sober is, because sober means alert, awake. A good word would be aware. Be alert. Be awake. Be aware. Why? Because your enemy, the devil, is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I want you to see what this word vigilant means. Because when I think of the word vigilant, I'm like, I'm not sure what that one means. There's not an easy way to connect that. So I looked it up in the dictionary this week, and here's what the definition is. It means keenly watchful to detect danger. Another definition is this one, and I like this one even better. It means ever awake and alert, sleeplessly watchful. Sleeplessly, meaning you're not falling asleep on this thing. You can't fall asleep at the wheel right here. And when it comes to your marriage, if you're not sleeplessly watchful and aware of the fact that your devil, that, that the devil, sorry, not, I hope it's not your devil. Um, you know, my spouse is my devil, right? Um, <laughs> hopefully not. I didn't say that. Um, edit that out, Jeff. Here we go. Ready? Um, 50%. 50%. You got to be aware of the devil as the attack on you. Be vigilant, sleeplessly awake. You're always looking out for this guy, Step one, you need to write it down in your notes today, is to understand that there's an enemy out to, to destroy your marriage. Step one, you guys got to get on the same page as that. You say, I don't know if I believe all this spiritual stuff, and I'm in church today because somebody made me come, and you know, they told me we were going to IHOP, and they drove me here to the school, and I don't know what's happening right now. You know, and, uh, For that, we apologize, but I still think you'll get something out of this if you take some notes down and just, just soak this stuff up. Get on the same page spiritually with the idea that you're in a war. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, that's what it says. You are in a war. This is why divorce rates are so high. Couples aren't on the same page about this. They're not sleeplessly watching. They're not understanding that whenever they begin to have those, those feelings inside of their heart, inside of their head about their spouse, that that is not from God. That that is straight from the devil who's a liar. The Bible talks about how he's here to steal, kill, and destroy you. See, first he's going to take out your family, and then he's going to go after you personally. Because he already, he already destroyed up your whole family dynamic, which, by the way, when he does that to your family, it messes up your kids. There's issues there, too, that they have to deal with. And some of you guys, you're, in, you're living this right now, and you see that. You're very aware of how it affects them, how it impacts them. We're going to talk more about whether you've already you know, got divorced, if you're remarried. We're going to talk about all this stuff throughout the next coming weeks. Remember, we're just taking a small portion of this, and we're trying to give you something important. The devil's out to get you. Be aware. Get on the same page of that today. It has to be. Now we're going to look at um, transitioning our attention to God's plan for marriage. If we know that this is a problem, big old problem right here, let me just spell that out. This is a huge issue this is a problem for you hopefully you are aware of this you say this this isn't very deep teaching no it's it's not very deep as a matter of fact it's pretty straightforward it's pretty straightforward but when we apply what we see when we apply what we hear when the spirit of god begins to speak to our hearts that this is an issue and we get on the same page you are unstoppable as a team you truly are But you got to get in line with some spiritual things here. I want you to see um, Genesis chapter 2. That's where I really want you to go in your Bibles today. We're going to focus on God's plan for marriage. Because here's the deal. He doesn't always just leave you in a problem. That's what I love about the God that I serve. Jesus Christ, when he was here on this earth, didn't just point out all your issues. He didn't say, hey, you're a sinner. You do things wrong, and that sin separates you from me. Sorry about that. Stinks to be you that's an issue you probably ought to deal with. He didn't do that. The God I serve, he, he's, he's not like those pesky little people that are annoying that say, hey, there's a problem over here. And you go, well, what should we do about it? I don't know. But we need to do something. You know, it's like, and then you give suggestions. You ever done that with those people? You give a suggestion that, oh, that won't work. You give another suggestion, that, that, no, that's not going to work. He's not like that. That's not the God that I serve. I hope you know him today because, man, he's so different. He not only gives the problem, but he also gives solution. He gives us his word as guidance to follow, that when we do these things, he says that we are blessed. When we do not follow God's word, we are cursed. I want you to live a blessed life today. The only way to live it is to obey God's word. It's the only way. Look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. We're going to get to our key point of the message here in just a minute, but I want to read this verse first. It says this. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother. Just wanted that to sink in for a few of you, all right? Just wanted that to sink in. Here we go. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. Now, this is an interesting thing that I'm about to tell you. God's Word, way back in the very first book of the Bible... Genesis, the word Genesis literally means beginnings, the very beginning, from the very beginning, Genesis chapter 2, after he creates them, the very next chapter, he says, they shall leave father and mother, be joined to his wife, and they shall become, say it with me, one flesh. They shall become, say it with me, one flesh. So he said, they shall have two different minds, they shall have two different journeys, they shall have two different sets of feet, and they should walk two different directions. That's not the world, but when I look at the world, that's what happens. When I look at our relationship, sometimes that's what happens. When I look at your guys' relationships, sometimes that's what happens. We have to be aware, sleeplessly awake, that the devil gets us there every time. Let's identify that whenever that stuff starts getting into our hearts and we begin to attack our spouse about what they're not doing, about what they need to do, that that is from the devil. And we need to work together as teammates in this thing. You come together as one flesh, with one mind, going in one same direction in unison. Let me illustrate this out to you. Girls are red, boys are blue. Okay, no, I don't have a rhyme. Okay, here we go. Girls, you're, you're waiting for it. Some of you quoted something. I don't know what you quoted, but um, satanic chant. I hope not. Um, uh, red and blue, okay? Girls are red, boys are blue. Let me show you something here. Can I get some help, Alex? you mind helping me? Or Joe? Can I trust Joe or Alex? Which one? They both pointed at each other. You could Well, they got some trust going on. They both trust each other. Here we go. Joe, I'll, I'll use you. Thank you, Joe. Okay, here's what God said. God said that you're supposed to leave your household and you're to become one. If you'll grab that for me. You're to become one. I want you to see this. This is a powerful principle. Thank you. You can go ahead and grab a seat, man. Take those with you. Have a good drink. Give her, give her the, the blue one because it just makes no sense. All right? Give her the blue one. Um, this has got to taste terrible. But the um, reality of the situation is, is the two became one. There's no more red. There's no more blue. There's this purplish black color now. Because the two became one. I hope you're ready with your pen for the key principle of today's lesson. Get your pen out. Get ready here. Key point of the day. I'm going to write it down. According to God, write this down, you cannot Un one unwon what has been made one. You cannot unwon what has been made one. Can't do it. If you're single in the room today, I hope you wrote that down. And I hope you let that principle stick in your head. And you understand that there's no way I'm going to be able to pour this back into a glass and just get red. There's no way I'm going to pour it back into a glass and just get blue. The two became one. God's word says they become one flesh. And they work together in this thing called marriage. I'm going to show you in scripture how it says that we work we labor at this thing. It's important that we catch some of these principles. You can't un-one what's been won. God has a plan for you and your spouse. And here's the deal. Maybe you're at that verge and you're hanging on by a thread. You and your spouse, you need to stay together. You need to stay together. You need to, you need to fight. You need to climb. You need to communicate. You need to express your emotions. That's hard. I'm not telling you that it's going to be easy. I'm not promising you an easy road if you do what I say. But what I am telling you is that God's word says that when two become one, they cannot be on one They are one flesh. They cannot separate. You say, I've already made these decisions. I've already, I can't go back now, Randy. We'll talk about that in the next few weeks, I promise. We'll address some of those issues of where you are today. But for you guys that are not there yet or you're just hanging on, you're feeling like giving up, you need to understand this principle that you cannot un-one what has been made one. This is God's plan for marriage. And I want you to see hope in this today. No matter where you are in your relationships, I want you to see hope because God has good thoughts towards you. God has good plans for you. He's not done with you. It's not over. See, what looks beyond repair for you looks like a simple fix to God. It looks like a simple shift in the left direction and everything's in alignment. It's kind of like just putting some more gas in the gas tank and all of a sudden you can keep going. See, many times we look at the wreckage of our lives as a vehicle, that's driven itself off a cliff, and gone too far down, and rolled, and rolled, and rolled, and it's, can't even believe that we're still functioning, right? When God looks at it, and he says, dude, it's a beautiful 2014 Mustang, Dodge Viper, whatever you want to call it, you put your favorite car in there, it just needs some gasoline in it. You ran out of gas, that's why you're not moving, But we view things different than God. I want you to see how God views us. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. Straight from God's word, it says this. It says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. What are they? The thoughts of peace, not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. Some of you needed to hear that today. Some of you needed to just have some hope. That's something that's been missing for a while. Hope. Man, what a powerful word that is. For some people, it feels foreign. Say, I don't think I have any hope, Randy. You don't know what we're going through. You don't know my circumstance. You don't know my situation. You know what? You're exactly right. But I know the one who does. His name is Jesus, and he loves you today. He cares for you today, and he has good thoughts an expected future, and a hope for you. And you have got to fight. You've got to hang on. Because listen, you can overcome. You can see success. There will be a good ending to this story. It will be a happily ever after. But you have to fight. You have to try. And it's so huge that you get these principles right now. You learn it. And you learn to, to do some things and you learn to not do some things. Here's one that, that you need to learn to do. is You need to realize that you can't unwind what's been made one. You need to realize that there's a spiritual enemy out to attack your marriage. And then you need to not do this ever. Never again. You make the commitment today as, as husband and wife. You look at each other and if you're single, you make the commitment in your heart. You say this. You look at each other and you say, listen, never again will I ever use the D word. not in my lingo. It's not in my vocabulary. I don't even know what that word means. What's the D word? Divorce. Divorce. Thank you for saving me. I was in trouble. You can never use that word ever again. If you're going to make it in your marriage with a devil who hates you, who hates your spouse, he hates your guts and he's out to destroy you. If you're going to make it, you can never even have that in your vocabulary. Because if that gets brought up every single time that you argue, every single time that there's a scuffle, every single time that there's a fight, you will be destroyed. I promise you. You will be a part of that 50% that gets divorced. I promise you. Because it's in, it's in your DNA. That's, your, that's your, your catchphrase, your slogan to get them back on track. Well, I'll just divorce you then. I'll show you. It doesn't work doesn't work listen some level we're smart people i know we are it's in us right like we got something to us like we're pretty good people i don't think you know i'm the smartest but i think i've got something to me and at some level i have to tell myself that that there's more to life than just doing what everybody else does that maybe following the majority isn't the way to go that maybe following what culture tells us isn't the smartest idea it isn't the smartest way That maybe God, who created everything that we know and see, maybe that guy actually knows something. Maybe we can wisen ourselves up to the idea that God knows what he's doing. And that when we do things his way, it changes everything. You have to make the decision, a commitment today. And I'm going to ask you to write it down. It's in your worship guide, that perforated spot. I want you to, to check the box. I will never use the D word ever again. Now you gotta you gotta just check the box and tell me, you gotta tell your spouse. Because I don't, I mean, I'm not gonna live with you. All right, thank the Lord, right? You don't wanna live with me, I don't wanna live with you, I'm happy where I'm at, everything's good, but but you need to make you need to make this thing happen in your relationship. You need to make the decision. That's not in our vocabulary. I will never use that word ever. And it's not just so you can build up all this emotion, you know, four years from now, I've never used the word, but today I'm gonna. No. No, you make the commitment in the eyes of God, just like you were on that wedding day. It says that's out of our vocabulary because there's a war on our marriage and I'm protecting us. Can we do it? I hope. Here we go. I want you to see this. The Bible has something to say in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9. And before I get to that, I want to remind you of something. Everybody look at me for just a second. Just give me your attention for just a second. We're almost done. We're going to wrap this thing out. Listen, I want you to understand something. I think you forgot, or maybe you didn't, but I I hope you didn't. But if you did, you and your spouse are a team. You and your spouse are on a team. I'll be honest with you, I got the worst seat in the house today. I always tell you, I got the best seat in the house because I get to talk to you guys, but I got the worst seat in the house today. Because this is real. There's real pain all in this room. And I can see it, I can sense it, I can feel it. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 says this Two are better than one. Two are better than one. Why? Because they have a good reward for their, say it with me, labor. No, we didn't say that very good. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. Marriage isn't easy. In order for your marriage to work, it's going to take some work. The Bible makes it very clear. Two are better than one, and there's a good reward for those that labor for their marriage the ones that work at it. It's going to require something of you. But I think somewhere along the lines of culture or or the way that we were raised, maybe it was our history, our background, we get some of these preconceived um, ideas in our head that say, because we're married and we're a team, I should be able to walk away and do whatever else needs to get taken care of over here and just expect you to not need any of my attention and we're still going to be married. Because, Because we have this understanding. It's our code. And... That's a terrible strategy. Well, that's my strategy. I don't give a flip. That's a bad strategy. It's a bad strategy. Come together as one flesh. You work as a team as one flesh. You can't not communicate all week and then think God's going to bless that. You have to labor for this stuff. Two are better than one. Here's what's funny opposites track, don't they? <laughs> that's fun. Man, that's fun. My wife is super organized, knows where everything is whenever I need it. Man, I love that. But, dude, I don't have a clue where my shoes are. I don't know where my phone went. I don't know where my keys went. Dude, she's ordered me the apps that, like, you can locate all that stuff. But I lose the thing that locates the thing. (laughs) I don't even know what to do now. It's horrible. She's my personal GPS. I always say that. She knows exactly where we're going. I don't have a clue where I even like how to get half of where we're going in Plano, Allen. I don't even know where that stuff is. She's always with me. Turn left. All right. Turn right. I didn't know how to go home half the time. It's crazy. Some of y'all laughing. You're in the same boat. But opposites attract. Now here's what's crazy about the team. It's a really good thing when you two are on the same page. When you two are on the same page as a team working together in your marriage, oh my word, holy Bible, you are unstoppable. Unstoppable. You can accomplish just about anything. God can use you in amazing ways to do great things for your community, for your kingdom, for your fam- for the whole thing. God's kingdom is uplifted and glorified when you work together. But let's talk for a half a second about when you're not on the same page. Woo! Those are when the good fights come out, don't they? And your mama and the dog, and you're like, what? You know, like bringing stuff up from 15 months ago, and you're like, well, I don't even know what you're talking about. You're like, what are we fighting about? You can't even tell me what we're fighting about. It doesn't matter because I'm mad. You're like, what? Anyway, you guys aren't on the same page. That opposites attract thing, man, it can really, really do some crazy stuff. Two are better than one, though. That's just logic, right? Isn't two just better than one? I mean, me and Garrett, we're out there trying to hang this sign, and We spent about, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes out here trying to figure this out, and we're scratching our heads trying to figure out, I mean, this thing is just crooked, it's slanted, everything's wrong. Joe comes out there, and he's like, "Uh -uh." (laughs) uh-uh. He comes out, and he says, we need to take this here and this here, and man, he just fixed the whole thing, and man, once we had that other person giving us that perspective, it just changed everything. We went back and we go, we are never going to try to hang that sign ever again. We're just going to go find Joe and have Joe do it because Joe knows what he's doing. We don't have a clue. Two are better than one. That's the logical sense there. I want you to see this verse, though. This is a powerful verse in the Bible. Two are better than one. They have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. One will be there to lift the other one up. But woe to uh, to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. But look at verse 12. Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. I'll talk to you for a second. Real talk. Real talk. The devil is going to come and try to attack your marriage. Personally, it's my personal belief that as the man of the house, that you have to, you have to do whatever it takes to help your family see the direction of what that is. When those attacks are coming, you have to tell them, This is from the devil. This is not of God. Women, sometimes the men miss it. And sometimes you have to be the one that pulls them back up and says, This is not of God. This is the devil attacking us right now. And we need to quickly get back onto the same page. Me and Amy, we have those struggles. We have those issues. The idea isn't how can we see what God wants us to see and the way we don't have those issues. The idea is when we have those issues, how do we get back on the same page as fast as we can? Did y'all catch that? How do we get back on the same page as fast as we can? That's what you have to see. You have to identify it. Because you're basically seeing that one person's really struggling and you're there to lift them up. Man, my wife has been that for me in many ways. I want you to see this part though. Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. Two can, two can probably make it through when the devil comes. But I want you to see this last part. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Meaning, if you work together as a team, two is going to do something. But man, when you have Jesus Christ at the center of your relationship, as that third cord, you won't be easily destroyed. A three-fold cord. What does that look like in marriage? How can we have hope? I think it looks something like this. Understanding that our world needs to revolve around what Jesus wants us to see. And do what Jesus wants us to do. It means that the husband over here, the husband, he has to be looking towards Jesus. It means that the wife here, she needs to be looking in the direction of Jesus. When you have this dynamic right here, Threefold cord is not quickly broken. Bible also instructs us, we'll talk more about how the men are to lead in this way. That relationship with Jesus Christ is the thing that can save your marriage. Living your life to follow and please him, plugging into areas of opportunity within church or within other areas to help your community go forward to see who God is, that's how your marriage is going to get stronger. And listen, you don't do it alone. You do it together. You do it together. You get on the same page. Where do we plug in? You know, tonight is um, Discovery 301. At our house, we're going to be going over basically how God created you, how he wired you. We're going to give you a personality quiz, personality test. We're going to learn how God's wired you to do work for him, how you can serve him. But here's the most important thing when we identify that you guys as a family you do it together that threefold cord won't be quickly broken it won't be but you got to put him at the center